You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. It's not until you become a parent that you realise what a strange and often contradictory world you have entered. You can go from feelings of joy, contentment and light to feelings of loneliness, boredom and despair in minutes, all the while feeling like you are under a microscope, the world analysing and judging your parenting abilities. Ash Davenport is a mum of two and the author of Sad Mum Lady, a book about the truths of starting a family. At the time of writing her book, her kids were two and three, what I would call the trenches, being in the trenches of parenting. Hi, Ash, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Siobhan. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. So um, your children are two or were two and three when you wrote this book. Does that mean they're Irish twins? Did you literally have one straight after the other? They they are on paper because they're 2016 and 2017, but they're at opposite ends of the year, so they're actually 20 months apart. Were you shocked by the reality of what becoming a parent was like? Yes. Um, I have described parenthood as like a brick to the face. So that's kind of how painful and shocking it was for me. (laughs) And what parts did you find the most difficult? Because most people when they're pregnant, um, their friends and family who've already had kids just can't stop themselves telling them how much sleep they'll lose and just how intense it can be. Were your family actually nicer than that? Did they not say anything on those on those lines? I actually had the opposite problem. People were so happy for me and um, I was the first in my family to, to get pregnant and um, or have a baby, I should say, and they were super excited for me. Friends of mine were all really excited and overwhelmed with joy on my behalf. And I wasn't feeling those feelings. And I think the pressure to kind of mirror their excitement was the first moment where I kind of felt like I, this, this wasn't going to be really easy. I could, I could feel expectations and they were weighing me down, like during pregnancy. So I think that that was really tricky, just straight out of the gate, having people looking at me like, why isn't she beaming with joy? Why isn't sunshine just radiating out of her eyes? You know, it was kind of like, (laughs) it was, I I found pregnancy really um, lonely and scary and weird and um, yeah. I I felt like I wasn't allowed to say those things without making people feel really uncomfortable. And was it any different with the second pregnancy? Did you find you had a crew of mum's friends then or? Um, A little more so, yes. The second pregnancy was nice. I, I was really excited. I had a moment between my first, you know, becoming a toddler and, um, Actually, it was around her first birthday when everything was going great and I thought I could have 10 kids and I wanted to have 10 kids and this was just the best thing ever. And then I got pregnant straight away and then I was busy with the toddler 
and it just cruised by and it was relatively straightforward in that I didn't think about anything really but I also didn't process a lot of the sad feelings that I had around my first birth because I got pregnant again so quickly and then it wasn't until she arrived my second that I kind of had a double dose of unprocessed depression I suppose that so I really kind of I suffered quite badly from depression after the birth of my second as well as after my first but it was yeah it was it was quite bad the second time around and you've um, you've got a very active Instagram account where you post photos and have funny comments, but also very realistic comments. And one of um, your posts, I think you mentioned that you can be struggling and having a hard time of parenting and not have depression. Of course, you know it's very important that we recognise when it's when it is actually postnatal depression. But that aspect of it being hard or grieving, what you said then is. It really resonates with me anyway, because I know when I was pregnant with my second child, uh, this is going to make me sound like such a hippie, but I went to see a woman who is a masseuse, who I love, but she's completely nuts and she always reads cards and does all this stuff. Anyway, she said something to me. I was pregnant. She gave me a massage and then she she was trying to read my cards and she pulled out this card that was a bat. And I thought, please, please don't talk to me about being a bat because... I love you and I don't want to have to stop coming to you because you're going to tell me I'm going to be reincarnated as a bat or something. Anyway, more for me, she told me, she said, this is a time of transition and grieving for you. And I just burst into tears because we don't talk about that loss of your previous life. So by the time I had my second child, the first child, it was all exciting and new uh, even though it was hard. And the second time when I was pregnant, I realized, oh, I'm halfway down this road and there's no turning back. Um, not in the sense that, and I, and I hadn't said goodbye to my past life before. Does that make any sense to you? Like I, I hadn't had time to really go, oh, right, okay, that Siobhan before birth is never coming back. And I didn't get to say a proper goodbye to that life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should all just like hold a little funeral service when we find out we're pregnant for the first time. It should just be part of part of the procedure. That was a big part of it, I think, in the beginning for me. This grieving of um, of a life that would, you know, no longer really be my own. It would be dictated by this little person and a whole new chapter um, instead of priorities. So, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean there. I think mine was, um, my sadness stemmed from, it, what, how did I describe it earlier? It was like that I, I, I had a lot of stuff before I got pregnant, I think, that I never really processed or dealt with. I'd kind of built armour around it to just kind of keep going and, keep managing my life and keep my head above water and I was sort of quite tough and I had an attitude a bit of an attitude but it was like it was my armor it was how I was um, able to manage some pain that I just carried with me I suppose and that's pain that's probably you know intergenerational and childhood related and nothing kind of 
I didn't really suffer a great deal during my life prior, but I think just like a, a regular amount of human pain that I yeah had sort of built this wall around. And then the birth specifically of Didi just like shattered all of that armour. Didi's my firstborn. And um, I had no tools to really manage from there on. So that sounds pretty deep, doesn't it? But that's kind of, when I look back in hindsight, I can kind of piece it together that way. Like why it was, why I was so shattered from that point of, you know, officially becoming a mother. And then I had to do this really slow and like quite arduous work of building like my, my inner strength in a way that I hadn't done previously in my life. And so it was kind of like the best medicine, you know, but shocking. Yeah, very shocking. And it's also possibly that part of whether it's you grieving your past life or it's stuff that comes up that you haven't dealt with. There's not a lot of space in the parenting world to talk about that because even when we're talking about this now, I feel the need to mention how much I love my children, which is, you know, you can't say anything negative about parenthood without following it quickly up by saying, but I'm really grateful. And I don't know if there's many other things in life where you have to balance out real feelings like that. So, you you know, you can you can be feeling down about something and still be grateful but it feels like as a parent you can't actually discuss those things which might be part of the problem for women in that sense that we're always trying to do our very best and keep soldiering on for our families but you know there's a lot of stuff going on that maybe people don't talk about there's I don't feel like there's that much space for that well I yeah definitely and it's well, my little hack for that is love, love my kids, hate motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, I'm a copywriter, like by trade. So I'm like, that's my little one sentence workaround um, to just get me out of trouble. The reality is like my kids saved me. Like I, I didn't know I needed saving before I had them. But I think eventually I would have figured it out. It just happened all really kind of intensely and suddenly with the arrival of my firstborn and then sort of continued on with the arrival of my second. And so that's kind of what I feel with the book because it is um, about having a really quite painful experience emotionally, becoming a parent um, with lots of humour and stuff in there as well because um, that, that's another one of my coping mechanisms. Um, so there's lots of gags in there. But um, they ultimately, I, I feel okay and really proud to think of them reading it when they're older because I hope that's what comes through because that's, what, that's ultimately what happened. They're the best things that ever happened to me, you know. How do um, how have you found people respond to that idea of love my children hate motherhood because that's not really the message that we're getting from every every other kind of media we look at it's like we're all meant to be very good cooks we're meant to be fixing things and playing craft and all that sort of stuff and being fabulous mums what kind of response have you had from that little 
catch cry of yours? They like, well, the mums who follow me on Instagram, when I, when I first posted that, they were like, yes, yes. Like that, that kind of summed it up for a lot of people. I haven't had, but I'm, I'm in a bit of a bubble at the moment with my Instagram. I'm, I'm nervous to kind of open things up more with the release of the book because, you know, when you're starting out and the people who kind of like the stuff that you do are the people who think the same as you or similarly. So at the moment, I've just had quite a positive response to that and people can relate to it. But I think people might feel a bit ruffled by that in general. And why do you think that is? Why do we have such an idealised view of motherhood, do you think? I think because it's how um, women have pretty much exclusively added value to the world in the eyes of themselves and the world around them for however many centuries that we weren't allowed to go to school or go to work or, um, you know, go to the shops. Um, motherhood was how you added value. That was, that was your whole worth. So if you're complaining about it, then you're worthless. It's such a strange, I mean, when you say that, I can absolutely hear the truth of it, but it just sounds like such a strange statement in 2020 to be saying that women's value is in mothering and therefore if you don't love it, then you're worthless or there's something wrong with you. But it sounds completely right. Yeah, I think we're not really, I don't think people would think that consciously. It's like a deep, like primal thing. I think it's, and then it manifests in all these different ways, like, you know, tutting you in the supermarket line if your kid's crying or um, questioning you about, um, when you're going to put your kid in daycare and don't you think that's a little bit soon and even just those little microaggressions are the kind of surface conscious level but then I think those bigger ideas are the things that are lurking underneath that's my theory anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's a good theory it's a good theory um I mean, look, I think you've just answered this question, but it it doesn't feel like men are put under as much scrutiny as women when it comes to parenting. Would you agree? Like when you were going through that experience yourself, what was it like for your partner? Yeah, he definitely has more like little old ladies coming up with tears in their eyes, like clapping him as he goes by, like <laughs> literally has happened in the supermarket when he had both of them. Like he's really celebrated in that public space, but I do see the um, other pressures on him, which uh, and those other expectations, which are like, oh, you're celebrated for being a part-time father, but if you're a full-time father, you're kind of weird. We're not quite sure what to do with you. Like so. I don't know. I think he has his own set of like societal expectations that he that he's that he's working with and against. Um, but yeah, that whole like dads are just awesome because they manage to put the shoes on and get out the door, you know. Whereas for mums, it's like uh, we get judged extremely harshly in comparison. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about this when I was reading your book. I can't imagine a book like this being released in our parents' time. Like even now when I, I've asked my own mother, like was it 
was it hard? Like she didn't work when we were small, but she worked when we were older. Like once we got to primary school, she went back to teaching. But when I've asked her whether it was hard, she's like, oh, no, I just think I was, I think I was lucky to be at home with you and be able to be at home with you. Whereas in my mind, I'm thinking I would have gone mad if I had to stay home all the time. But I don't hear the same level of um, complaint from our parents' generation. <laughs> Do you think they're all made of sterner stuff? No, it's because, well, my theory on that is that they, they were sort of, well, my mother is from a generation where she was kind of trained for almost like an invisibility once she became a parent. It was the, that your kids don't make a peep when you're out in public. You're not really sharing what's truly going on with um, definitely not with strangers on the internet, but even with your mother's group, it's kind of like, well, we make a cup of tea and we, we talk about the milestones and, and we just kind of shut up and get on with it. But I think the modern mother wants to do other things and they're also less able to tolerate bullshit. They put up with less crap, I think. There's a sense of entitlement to, like, the millennial mum as well, which stems from, like, growing up in a very different world to our parents and having immediate gratification and this belief that we can do anything and say anything and that we can do and say anything. And that kind of works against us when we become mothers because you're still up against, like, public scrutiny and exorbitant childcare fees and just feeling unsupported and being unsupported at work and these hardships that are real and are there, but we don't want to tolerate it. Whereas I think our parents' generation was just part of the deal. You're a woman, you become a mum, shut up. Yeah, we're not shutting up. Yeah. Um, so speaking about social media and the fact that's so much a part of our lives now, um, it can play a really big role in how women perceive themselves as mothers, particularly if you follow certain accounts, because there's that sense of reality and unreality in every person's account, right? So people might post about life being hard as a mum but you don't see it because it's next to an image of them looking beautiful with their kids and there might be some muffins organic muffins cooked in the background or something there's a real kind of conflict between what you see and then what you read and often what we take in is the image I don't know if you agree with that but I'm, I'm curious to know how you approach your own account when it comes to telling your story about your own experience of motherhood yeah, no, I really try and rally against that. Um, I think can be really damaging and hurtful. But I, I also understand where those parents are coming from, where they've got the, you know, beautiful nursery that's pristine and um, light filtering in through the blinds and whatever, just this idyllic snapshot of what motherhood is or should be. And I get that they are having all the hard times that I'm having but they want that's what sort of gets keeps them going in a way 
these moments of peace and these moments of the kids just colouring quietly in the corner and they want to share that and celebrate that because the rest of it is so hard, you know. So I guess I'm not fooled by it, but I also think, like, you, you need to have a balance just so you're not making people feel really bad, you know. Um, but whatever. They can do what they like. It's definitely not my style. I like to um, keep it real, I suppose, but also um, not kind of dwell too much on um, the tantrums and the um, dinner that gets thrown on the floor and all those little, like, harrowing things that happen throughout the day. Like, those are a reality as are these really spectacular moments that, you know, make it all worthwhile. So I just think, let's show it all. And I guess this is really what your book is about, Sad Mum Lady. <laughs> the title we won't... <laughs> You don't look sad. It used to be sad pregnant lady. That was the um, that was the name of my blog when I first started it. It was sad pregnant lady, and then it became sad mum lady. <laughs> well, we've we've evolved. Um, Ash, thank you so much for talking to me today, and congratulations on your book. I'm sure it'll uh, be it'll resonate with a lot of mums out there. I hope so. Bye, Ash. Bye. That was Ash Davenport. She's the author of Sad Mum Lady, and you can find out more about the book in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.